welcome ladies and gentlemen to episode uh, 57 uh, for Penny Red. I've got two guests with me today. I've got the always enticing Kristen Hayworth. Oh, man. Red down in the middle there. And I've got Morgan Ellis, who's also enticing, but I'm outbearding him today. How's it going? Pretty good. You think you're outbearded. <laughs> it's, ma- it's a magical beard. I'm, I'm going to a convention in uh, end of April. Um, and I'm going to go in sort of, I go in costume uh, to promote my book, which is set in Victorian time. So I go as a Victorian gentleman. Um, but I'm hoping to have uh, something else there this year. So I might just wear a, wear a company shirt. But anyway. Um, that would be like a, a beard convention. That would be. Beardvention? Oh. I've, I've, I'd go to Beardcon. <laughs> you must be an invisible beard. I can't see your beard there, Kristen. Or are you saying that you I'm... are a beard? Are you making some kind of veiled reference oh, to Sean? Wow. <laughs> I don't even have to dig the hole. I just hand you the shovel and you dig it for me. I'll just hop in when you're done. Yes. Uh, some of you may also recall uh, Sh- um, Sean Hayworth, who's uh, Kristen's husband, who's been on the show a couple of times and now apparently is out. So I, I think technically good. anyone who knows me would say he's probably, I don't know, what's the reverse of that? My dress? Like, <laughs> oh, nice. Yes. I don't know. What is the, do you know what that? What no, the lady I, version of dab in the dark. <laughs> that is interesting. Interesting indeed. Okay, well, I've got uh, Kristen, uh, first of all, on the show here to talk a little bit about her network, which will go unnamed, uh, go nameless at the moment. We, um, can, so- we, can, we can say what the name is. It's just like I just haven't put it out because I don't want people hitting the website because it's not I, – I don't understand websites. I'm so lost and I can help you with that. And I can help you with that. I am terrible. Um, like I, I, I have the, the domain and the hosting and the theme, and I'm just like, what is all this notation and weird carrot marks? And I'm people are on the edge of their seat, Kristen, with the uh, name of this <laughs> website that doesn't exist yet. And and I actually have a logo. Uh, it's going to be the Cement Shoe Network. It's going to be at right. cementshoe.com. Right. Uh, right now. Um, we have we have two shows going. We have a bunch more lined up. Well, three if you count the spelling bee that I do, mm-hmm. and and the big one. And you should because you know drunken spelling bees. <laughs> we need more of those. In fact, um, couple. Have you been on? Sure, have they been on that, Morgan, or no? I have not been on that. No, Would you like to be on it? I don't know. I, I can't really spell that well when I'm not drunk. So, I mean, maybe it would improve or maybe it would, you know, mess me up even more. So, yeah, any of the riveted audience, if you ever want to be on the shitface spelling me, I'm always looking for contestants. It's actually kind of hard to get people together to get drunk and spell words on the internet. So, I can't imagine why. <laughs> I can not for a moment can I imagine why that might be. I saw part of the first episode. Um, and <laughs> that one was, ended in misery. <laughs> it, it, well, I didn't. I, all I I watched a little bit of it, and then I was watching doing something else, and then I came back, and there were three little panels down the bottom of the screen, um, and there was one panel that didn't have a person in it, and the people were saying, "What's happened to Kristen? Is she?" she <laughs> <laughs> and if I looked really carefully, I could just make out the back of your head and the bottom of the camera, because at that point, this, the uh, the host of the show was uh, not participating in the spelling, but was participating in the well, drinking. Certainly, yeah, certainly the host and the judge probably shouldn't be drinking as well, or at least not keeping up with the content. I, I learned my lesson after the first show, and if you watch the first shit face spelling, if you go to youtube.com slash G-O-V-N-E-H, you can find like my show and the spelling bees. And my mohawk... In the first one, like I have it up and it just slowly like sinks 
below camera view until it's like right here and i think the show ends with me like muttering i can't do this anymore good night everyone i'm ending the broadcast click oh. <laughs> that's it there you go it's good to uh i mean it's good to have an emphatic stop i suppose but perhaps not quite the one you uh quite the one that you had in mind so sure um sean nittner uh who is in charge of uh big bad con which is a bay area convention which runs on october the Kristen? I think it's uh, the 4th through 6th, right? Uh, yeah, 4th through 6th. It's the very first weekend there in October. Uh, we were going to have it a little bit later this year to kind of accommodate more people, but the the guests who really kind of hit it out of the park last year couldn't necessarily make it. On right. a later weekend, it runs sure. into other conventions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it just, it just uh, we're having Morningstar back. We're going to have Jason cool. Morningstar. He is confirmed. We're nice. working on the details for Luke Crane. Right. Um and it, just a lot of the same kind of repeat. I know Lenny Balsera's coming. I think Ryan mm-hmm. Macklin's coming back. Uh, right. Morgan, of course, will be there. I'm just assuming. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to throw you. No, I'm, I'm going to try now. to do that. Yeah. You know, I suppose if something really drastic happens, but otherwise, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. Um, I'm got to represent. I was going to say, oh, you've been right. at that both years so far, right? Well, I, was, uh, I, was, I won the first year that it was out, and oh, then yeah. I was a judge the next year. So, okay. For the guests, what is uh, Big Bad GM? Now, I know that uh, one of the things I really want to talk about uh, today was um, was conventions, getting to be convention season. And and, uh, and Nick, uh, later on this week, I'm going to record episode 58 with a chap by the name of Pig, Pete Figtree. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the sort of things you might want to take along to a convention. But with so many conventions coming up, I was wondering whether we might talk about some of the ones you know about. And then, as I say, we're going to talk a talk about uh, big bad con uh here so sure. um what i was in the middle, sort of a middle of uh, of saying um and then Kristen ran away with this uh with all of this useful information was sean nittner who is uh, who's sort of in charge of uh, big bad con has got a very able uh, assistant would you consider yourself an assistant a co a co uh something uh, you know when all this Pick started up. <laughs> when all this started <laughs> When Sean first started the whole Big Bad Con thing, he was right. like, I need an RPG coordinator. Right. Which was fine. Like, I am willing to do that. And it was it was the year that I, like, the first year that I had my kid. Mm-hmm. So I wound up just slammed. And he, Sean Nittner is very, very good at organizing stuff. Mm-hmm. And But to do that, he has to have control of a lot of stuff. So it wound up being that I was just never really organizing RPGs. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was better at dealing with people and kind of, you know, shuffling tasks off and, and just, you know, doing kind of more administrative work. So technically, mm-hmm. I am his EXO. Oh, I see. So that is, that is my official title. Have you proved yourself worthy? He and says have you moved so. up from EXO? Um, I, you know, he's, he's captaining the ship. So I'm, I'm fine sitting here at, at XO. Um, all right. So what well, you're saying is that when the ship hits the fan, you you get to take over. So it's a pretty good deal for you. What's that? If he, if he gets killed in battle, you get to take over. It's a great deal for you. If that just accidentally happens to Sean, <laughs> then I guess I'll have myself a shiny little con. Yeah. <laughs> shocking over. news from Big Bad Con, that's right. Puts, <laughs> I wouldn't want to take over. He puts so much time <laughs> and energy into yeah. it. It's just, he blows me away every year. Yeah. Well, uh, Jason uh, was saying when he said he was going to be at Big Bad Con, he was saying that um, he is, it's a Big Bad Con is the best run con um, that he goes to or that he's been to. Um, 
And that says something because I'm sure that Jason Morningstar has been to more than one uh, con in his time. So, mm-hmm. well, and it's well, all front loaded. Like all the all the smoothness and the work Sean just puts into it at the beginning, and then we sit back and let it happen. Hmm. Yeah, that's nice um, because I I mean I've organised some things, not not cons, um, but things in the past. And when you're sort of responsible for for organising stuff, if you could possibly get a breather while it's actually going on and sort of sit back and appreciate what you've done, then that's definitely a plus and I can, as I, as I said already, and also in previous uh, shows, Sean does a fabulous job of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Big Bad Con is definitely one of the tops. Okay, so it runs October 4th to the 6th. Um, and if you go to bigbadcon.com, um, you can, where can people sign up? I think Sean's uh, soliciting. There, yeah, um, games, are, games are being uh, submitted now. Hmm. Yeah, it, so I don't know when the actual signups are, but. Right. You can see all the awesome games that people are already signing up to run in freaking March. Yeah, That's there's right, already yeah. there's already been a bunch of games submitted. Um and then if you give me one second I can actually tell you when you can finally sign up. But if you're interested in going like you have to be registered to sign up for the games, you might as well go ahead and get signed up now. Mm. And let me see if I can find you the sign up date cuz that's great audio. <laughs> okay, well, while we're doing that then, Big Bad Con happens in October, but there are a lot of cons uh, before that. I know there are a lot, uh, some people are a little bit, uh, is trepidatious the word? Sure. Do you think uh, trepidatious is sure. the word? Sure, okay. People are a little bit work, uh, yeah. uh, trepidatious, uh, people unsure about, as you say, um, about unsure about going to, uh, you know, cons and what they're going to find. I know that uh, when I first came here, I wasn't really sure quite what to uh, what I was going to find. And so I went to Origins in preparation for going to Gen Con. Um, but I hadn't really been to many uh, of the smaller cons. And do you know, is there a sort of central repository for where, uh, what time cons are happening and, and where they're happening? Um, I am so not on the con circuit, there might so to speak. Be, I, think that I, I know there was a couple of years ago, there were you know a couple of websites that sort of aggregated various cons, but really... You just sort of have to type in and look for them. Right, okay. Well, I think some of the ones that I know about, obviously the big one uh, is Gen Con, and that yep. sort of goes in, in late August. I don't know the exact date of that, but that's that's no, no trouble to find. But um, I think it's PAX East. Is that next weekend? Yeah, I think or it's like this weekend or next weekend. It's pretty. It's coming up. It is PAX East is the first weekend in April. So April uh, 5th, I think, through the... Uh, through the 7th or 8th. Right, okay. So that's something to look up, PAX East, and then, um, yep. and then uh, after that, um, I think... Well, let's, there's, uh, actually, there's a, there's a fun one coming up in, um, in April, which is up in the Bay Area, which is in Oakland at Endgame. There right. is uh, FateCon, which is all sorts of Fate core, or just Fate games in general. Mm, mm. And so they're doing an entire day of Fate games. There's already, all the games are up now. Um, right, right. And I'm going to be at that, and there's going to be a couple other people who are going to be at that as well, and it's uh, it's a great time. And do you have some info, inside information about the Fate Core, Morgan, that you are actually allowed to talk about? Uh, sure. What I know, yeah, I, I was a backer, so sure. Okay, go ahead. tell us about the tell us about the Fate. I mean, because that was phenomenally uh, successful. Fred wrote a lot of stuff about it, and um, yeah. I, I, and I, that's sort of what I wanted to lead into a conversation about Kickstarter about that. But anyway, it's a bit of a uh, sort of background. Do you remember the initial amount for Fate Core? Uh, yeah, it was 3000 bucks. 
three thousand bucks was your initial amount for for fake core, um, yep. and then subs and then they subsequently was it four hundred and something thousand four hundred. I think it's four hundred and forty something about that. Yeah, yeah. four hundred and forty thousand, which is a squillion over times the uh, the amount. But um, the model there, if I remember rightly, was um, uh, that the initial money was uh, four hundred thousand three or four hundred thirty-three thousand three hundred sixty-five bucks. Which is lots and lots and lots of times uh, yep, over, over ten thousand backers, and Holy and so do you, do you know much about the model that uh, Fred applied? To? I read some of his his posts. Uh, but... Basically, yeah, it's all it's all it's mostly Fred and the guys at Evil Hat, who you know Chris Anerhan and all the other folks and Rob Donahue and all those guys who mm -hmm. make fate happen. So uh, yeah, Evil Hat, um, yeah, they they ran a great Kickstarter and it worked. So the the initial, I think the the biggest thing was the. Uh, we have something written. We have the PDF. If you kick in for a dollar, we you get free access to the PDF and other you know other stuff. So basically, mm -hmm. you got the game for a dollar, right? And you got it immediately. And so you just you know after that, it was kind of like well, everything else is gravy, right? I've already got the game, and I, it's a good game, and I'm reading it. And this is awesome. So right. Well, and that's something I've always like. Evil Hat has always done this beautiful thing of like if you get the physical. You get a physical book, like, let us know. You can have the PDF, and they've been very open and very good with that, and it's just, it's something that I've loved yeah, well, about the model forever. Yeah, but they're one of the, the main guys behind the uh, bricks and mortar, which is, or bits and mortar, right? Which bits is, and mortar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the PDF, if you, if you buy the RPG, you should get the PDF for free, and right. usually at a game store, if it's, if it's working in the bits and mortar, it'll, uh, they'll give you a, either a CD or an access code to download mm -hmm. the PDF, which is... Great, because, you know, PDF, to them, it's marketing, right? Or that's, I think, the, the tack they've taken is that it's marketing. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, and I think that uh, the, the sharing of stuff on the internet, there's no way you're going to prevent that that happening so instead of turning a you know can you take that minus and turn it into a plus right i mean if it, if it get, i mean i'm sure they would prefer that you didn't share it with other people but at the uh, same actually, time I, I i think if you uh i think the deal is if you don't you know don't quote me on this but like uh running a game <laughs> it'll just be between you and me morgan it'll yeah, be fine between us I, I think if you're running a game right and you're handing out the pdf to your players that's you know they kind of encourage that okay nice you know well, it's kind of the it's the scott sigler model of, yeah. of marketing are you guys familiar with scott sigler at all i'm not uh he he's an author he's uh, in san francisco and he started writing books couldn't get published couldn't get published just released all his audiobooks he was like screw it like i'm going to generate an audience and he talks a lot about pirating because he did this very like i'm just going to give it to you for free and we'll see if you'll pay for it later and it worked out mm. very very well for him and he he talks about like yeah somebody might pirate my book but they might, you know, tell like tell somebody else about it who doesn't want to be bothered pirating it, who might actually buy it. And then That's they're right. going to tell more people. And it's a way of getting, you know, when you're trying to build followers and a reputation and this brand, mm. then you like people need to know about it. And yeah, pirating shitty and all that. But, sure. you know, it's it really works out for some people in certain cases. Yeah, I think that um, to a degree, the people that are going to uh, – get a hold of those digital copies and just use them and never hand anything over. I'm probably going to do that anyway. Mm -hmm. But I guess the fact that it, it potentially could end up in the hands of more people who uh, feel oblo not obliged is not the right word, but feel that they owe something to the person whose work they're using, then 
you know, in that respect, it'll it'll pay off. And I guess that's the case for him. And has he has he continued to publish in that fashion, or has somebody picked him up? Or um, both. He's gotten. Um, he had a book called Nocturnal come out. His infected, contagious, and then um, pandemic books. Um, all just great books, by the way. Those three, starting with Infected, uh, those are all picked up. His contract's coming to an end, but in the meantime, he's been publishing collections of short stories and his GFL series, which is the um, Galactic Football League, I think. Uh, it's, it's space football, basically. Okay. It's, it's a young adult, and he does those himself, and he wrote them. He has people pre-buy the book, and then right. he uses that money to pay for the printing and all that. Hmm. So he's kind of doing a little bit of both. He's still reading his own stuff. He's still yep. using a publisher, but he's looking at his publisher now going, you're kind of a middleman. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I need you. So he's yeah. having that decision. Yeah, because that was one of the things that I think uh, I can't who we were discussing it with, but um, that Kickstarter is sort of taking the publisher out of the out of the equation, right? Somewhat. Do you have an opinion about that, Morgan? Go ahead. Uh, well, I don't think. I mean. Having a publisher, I think, would be is very helpful, especially if you're trying to kickstart something and you're just trying to get it off the ground. Having a publisher who has access to distribution, especially, because that seems to be where the Kickstarter, a lot of them fall down. Is oh my god, I now have to send out seven thousand freaking books, mm. or I mean, mm. especially in the RPGs, right? Is is yeah. now I have to, the pictures of people who have okay, I've got all these boxes that are littering up my home with all these books that I now have to ship out, and how much is how much is uh, is shipping? Oh my yeah. god. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And so having a publisher there, or having a, and you know, also, having that distribution, I think helps. Yeah. Also, there's there's this issue of the the person coming into the market for the first time. And I had a buddy who just kind of learned this the hard way. He wrote a game called Child Beauty Pageant Tycoon, right. and ran a Kickstarter for it. No one knows him. No one knows mm. what he did. No one knows yeah. like about this game. And he just didn't have the power to get the word out there enough to... And every once in a while, Kickstarter does it. Every once in a while, somebody comes out with something that is so fantastic that they just blow their expectations out of the water because like somebody grabs onto this and it just mm. becomes huge. But right. for a lot of the first-timers, just their, their first thing out on the market, their first product, they're trying to kickstart yeah. it, they're trying to do it themselves, they can't make it. No, There's, that's right. It's not necessarily a good model for everybody. Yeah, and one just talking about that uh, that shipping, uh, Morgan. I was reading an article on, um, I, think, um, I want to say, the Wall Street Journal, but I don't know if that's necessarily accurate. Um, but certainly the online version. But they were we'll talking about. Sure. Sorry, say again. We'll say it. We'll say it is for now. Sure. Sure. <laughs> don't quote me on that. Um, yeah. So no, let's the, let those uh, bastards the Wall Street Journal do it. So that's right. So I was uh, I was reading this article. Um, beautifully written by the Wall Street Journal, or maybe not. Um, and it was a f- fellow was talking about how the the rates for shipping have gone up dramatically in the US in the last six months, four or four to six months, or something like that. And uh, I backed um, Jennifer Steen um, genocides. She's yeah, episode yeah, twenty yeah, on yeah, this. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, I, ba- I backed that, um, but I backed that when she was on the show. So. That must have been uh, August or July or something last year, maybe even before then. Anyway, certainly uh, six months ago, 
um, or yeah, about six months ago. And I just got her book in the post the other day. So I'm going to assume it took a week to ship out. And so the, the difference in the cost for shipping between when she said how much it costs for shipping and when she actually shipped it, I'm wondering how, I'm wondering how that worked out. Cause it's a long, it's a long time, right? A lot of changes for shipping. Yeah. And so, if you do international shipping, you're even doubly screwed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, yeah. So that's one of the things that, um, yeah, that's definitely, it's kind of not quite a catch 22 in as much as, you know, you can't have a job without experience, but you can't get experience without a job. But, um, when we're talking about, when you're talking for uh, Kristen about needing exposure to get people to back your Kickstarter, but if you don't have something that's out there, then people don't know who you are to back your Kickstarter. It's kind of a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation. It's almost like, uh, like you said, unless you've got a really fabulous idea off the bat, then it may be not necessarily the best best way to go. Do you have any ideas about stats for successful Kickstarter projects, and certainly in the role playing sphere? Uh, well, I know that uh, Kickstarter has a lot of those metrics on their on their site. Oh, they do publish that. If you dig if you dig deep enough, they'll they'll let you know, and yeah. uh, you can figure that sort of stuff out. I think it's you know, I mean, it's it's something like. I forget the percentages, but I think 30% was like the number of actual successful ones that generally happen. And then a lot of them don't get there. Hmm. So it's yeah. a, it's a bit of a risk. Mm, that's for sure. Yeah. I was, uh, and the Kickstarter that I watched sort of carefully this week, do you watch uh, Veronica Mars or did you watch Veronica Mars? I did. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's uh, to, what was your impression of their, uh, their Kickstarter? Cause there's been a lot uh, of, I don't know if criticism is quite the right word, but it's certainly uh, noteworthy. Yeah, actually, if you uh, if you follow John Rogers on Twitter, uh, that was a, certainly an interesting conversation where he uh, there was a guy who um, set it up for a, us first. We're going to set up the whole thing. What's up? Set up the whole thing for us. Well, set up the whole thing. Well, they decided to do Veronica Mars Kickstarter, right? So they went to the studio, got the rights to make a Veronica Mars movie, and they needed two million dollars of Kickstarter, right? Or they mm. needed uh, two million dollars to make it happen, and now it's yes. on Kickstarter for thirty days, some more, something like that. So it's yes. uh, it got two million dollars within the first twelve hours, something something crazy like that. That's right, yeah, yeah. And now it. they're going going on to three million or even more, and so we'll see. But basically, a lot of people were, some people got their panties in a twist by this because this is allowing you know corporate interests to come into our cool hip indie thing of Kickstarter and make that happen. Kickstarter's over. Yeah, Kickstarter is <laughs> so corporate now, man. You don't even That's know. Right. Just, it needs a bird on it. That's the only answer. Yeah, and so basically a lot of people, or some people uh, got in a kerfuffle about this mm -hmm. and wrote articles and this various stuff, and people are all up in arms and very nervous about how this is taking, and it's like... I, I kind of want to take a moment to just be a little crass. And, and give my true feelings on this. Um, who gives a shit who spent their money on this? Like, I, I don't understand it. it. It just blew me away when people were bashing this Kickstarter. I don't know Veronica Mars. I've never watched it. I have no interest. I don't care yep. about the Kickstarter. Yep. But just see people, like, finding it offensive that somebody is like, hey, I like that thing. I want to give you money so I can get yeah. more of this thing. I'm yeah. just, why does anyone care? Yeah. It's not deteriorate it like it's not going to degrade kickstarter go ahead morgan what's that chap rogers saying uh well john rogers then got on and he he ran he ran uh he was a showrunner on leverage if you ever he's been on tabletop he's you know he's on twitter 
uh, he was uh, he was basically getting on there and saying why this particular article was wrong, and just this very long Twitter conversation where he just said, "Look, this is how TV financing works. This is how movie yeah. financing work, and here's why Kickstarter." You know that that grubby commerce is actually a part of Kickstarter, right? That actually yeah, yeah. that making that's money. The point of it is not, it's not part of it, is it? That's the that's the whole thing is to is to generate revenue. It's not like somebody's you know generating money to you know to save kids or something. You know, there's all kinds of charities for that. That's for the purpose. Right. Of there's there's Kiva. There's, there are other more you know more charity based uh, mm. crowdfunding. There are also more indie based crowdfunding if you really don't want to get your sell your hands with commerce or corporate politics or whatever yeah. but you know kickstarter is it's corporate it's got yeah. i i find the attitude that um and, and it seems to be like the attitude that if you are out for a profit for some reason what you're doing is not as valid and like it's a it's a business that's that's mm. how things operate yeah. and i'm not sure why it is considered a grubby thing that that there's money being made well, anyway, um, so John Rogers, he, he put up a very interesting post. <laughs> Shut down, Kristen. <laughs> no, no, no. I just Morgan's I, not going to play with that. Wanna, I don't want to delve into about how angry this, you know, yeah, yeah. this makes me as well because it's just it's it's ridiculous. But he he did a very good uh, thing there and yeah, put out all his his ideas about how how and why Kickstarter mm. is okay or this Veronica Mars Kickstarter was fine. I think that it's a great too, like because yeah, and also I mean you know three million. Freaking bucks in four or five days. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Okay, so, so here's the thing. Um, Firefly. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the so many people want Firefly. If they want to put their money where their mouth is, then, I mean, surely they're going to take a look at that and go, look, here's money yep. um, out there for the, for the taking. People have been clamoring about it. Let's put, put it. And so it strikes me as being a really good thing. Because you can you can choose what it is that you want to see. If you're talking about, I don't want this, you know, corporate network bullshit forced down my throat. Um, I want to see show X, Y, and Z. Then back it, and you get a chance to to see it. Yeah, but Firefly is is, you know, again, that's going to be corporate because it's owned by the various, you know, the IP holders own it. So it's not just like Joss can say, oh yeah, I'm just going to make a Firefly. No, that's right, sure. But I mean, he could do what they did with uh, Veronica Mars, though, surely. Sure, but I mean, again, also he has to, you know, the actors have kind of scattered, scattered to the four winds, and can he get them all back, and can he get them off of the contracts that they're working on that the shows they're doing right now? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an entire process to try oh, to sure. happen. I mean, I presumably you'd, you'd get all those ducks in a row before you were to float right. to Kickstarter, and you but Kickstarter it, and then so they make it. I mean, it's he's making other things now. He's moved on. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not necessarily in favor of Firefly for my sins. Um, I don't know if it's quite up there with admitting you've never watched Lord of the Rings or um, or read Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. But I've never seen Firefly. I watched the first about episode and a half, and I thought it was kind of dull, so I didn't watch any of the rest of it. So, okay. So I don't have any uh, did particular you watch it feelings on of... television, or did you watch it on the DVDs? DVDs. Okay. Um, but that may just have been. Um, because I just watched Veronica Mars. Um, it was the next thing I was getting ready to watch. So, <laughs> well, that's, no, 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 I don't honest. That is actually accurate. It is actually accurate. I, uh, but, but, but I was just thinking about that as an example of uh, the sort of you know opportunity that people have to put their money where their mouth is. And um, yeah, no, it's definitely it's it's a lot. I think it's a lot more effective than uh, you know get buying the whatever 
product is advertising that particular thing on television and trying mm. to, and then sending it to the sending it to the studio. I yeah. never quite understood that that thing that people did. Right. But and so uh, going back to the uh, start of the show, I guess. Um, do you want to do you want to pump yourself up here, Morgan? What's your uh, background generally at the start for a guest I haven't had before? Um, I sort of do the uh, give me your uh, your role playing credibility. So so uh, how did you get started in role playing, and what what do you what did your uh, what are you famous for? What am I famous for? Uh, color. <laughs> I'm famous for color. At least in the local local LA scene. Uh, <laughs> And not like off color, but just, you know, color. Um, I provide uh, crazy big games that are generally high concept pastiches of various different genres. And people go, oh, my God, yeah, that's a Morgan Ellis game. There's all sorts of craziness, right? People say this plus that. And then it's all these media properties. And they say, and make that happen, Morgan. And I say, well, then you won't show up because you're right. Right. Because you want to go play the new hotness rather than the crazy thing that you asked me to come up with three months ago. Right, right. Right, and and so um, what are the things that uh, that you have done in the past? As you've done a lot of, you've done supportive. Which games have you run a lot of? Which games have I run a lot of? Um, well, at, at cons, I have run a lot of Fate. I have run a lot of Dresden Files. Um, I was one of the uh, the evil haberdashers, which was the sort of joking uh, evil hat uh, GM support group that went out to various cons when. People, uh, when Dresden Files was first got kicking off, we said, hey, let's run a lot of Dresden at uh, Origins and Gen Con. And so I ran six games of, uh, of Dresden Files at the first Origins where it was released, and that was crazy. And I mm-hmm. shouldn't have done that because that was just, like, way too much work. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was fun. And then I ran it a bunch of Gen Con, and then I've run it sort of every year since until this last year. I just sort of... Actually, no, I, mean, I did run it this last year at Gen Con because people were right. asking for it, games on demand. They were like, ooh, give us Dresden Files. And so I showed up and right. ran some right. Dresden for people. Good times. And I'm sort, of, uh, I'm sort of setting you up here because I, I met Morgan uh, for the first time at Big Bad Con uh, 2012. And uh, I said, Morgan, would you like to be on the show? And he said, yes, of course. And it's taken until now until I've till I'd managed to, to pin him down. But um, he... You, you said that you had a lot of interesting con stories to tell me. So hey, it was actually the genesis of the question for episode two, which is uh, tell me uh, an interesting con story or two. It can be good or bad, but uh, I said at the time you were going to give me all sorts of interesting ones, and I said, no, don't save it for show. So now's the time, Morgan. It's time for you to pony up these interesting stories you profess. Uh, yeah, pony up the interesting stories. Um, well, actually, for instance, at that one, um, uh, I was running a um, – running an Atomic Robo playtest. Um, the Atomic Robo RPG is a new uh, RPG that's coming out from Evil Hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, it's by Mike Olson. Right. And uh, Brian Clevenger is the guy who writes Atomic Robo. Scott Wegner is the artist. And it's a great comic book. If you haven't read it, it's, it's a great comic book about an atomic robot built by Nikola Tesla back in 1923. Right. They go around having adventures. And I was running a game there, and um, I was just sort of starting out characters. I was handing out characters, and it's like, okay, you're on a plane, and uh, a guy, you know, he got very excited because he's sort of, okay, well, do we have science guns? I was like, yeah, you got, you got a crate full of science guns, right, which are sort of lightning guns because they're big capacitor shoot lightning guns. Sure. Because action science and violent science are hand-in-hand in Atomic Robo. Right, and, sure. And uh, so he's like, is there one on the plane? I'm like, sure, there's, yeah, there, you got a turret on it, sure. 
whatever. I'm just sort of fixing my notes. And he's like, <laughs> I, I want to, uh, I want to shoot the ducks. Or I think we, we made some sort of joke about how the plane was, you know, being overlapped by ducks because it was an old prop plane. Cause it was sure. in the 1950s. Right. Right. And so the guy's like, okay, well I want to shoot the ducks. And I'm like, why do you want to shoot the ducks? He says, well, <laughs> I have a science gun, don't I? Can I shoot the ducks? And I said, uh, okay. Why, why, why do you want to shoot the ducks? Cause, cause they're there. I know they're there. Why, why <laughs> did Tesladyne, this organization that is sent to do big science and investigate problems and mysteries as a mandate from the UN, why did they hire a guy who wants to shoot ducks <laughs> from a plane just cause? <laughs> and he said, but I want to shoot the ducks. And I said, yeah, I, I get that. And he said, finally, no, you're not shooting the ducks because it's stupid, right? It's, it's, I really tried to give the guy... <laughs> You know, I try. There's a there's an old joke around the LA scene, which is tone, right? I want tone. I demand tone. Right, right. And if we're gonna play this game, let's not divulge into the silliness of just because just because they're there, right? He just kind of wanted to do something. Right, right. To do something. Yeah. And I I, I kind of wanted to let him know that hey, <laughs> we're gonna shoot something, right? There will you will shoot. Yeah, I promise. Yeah. This projectile later was what ended up happening. Right. right. They got a big rocket sled and, and an ejector seat, and they put him in the seat, and they sent him off the rocket sled and shot him with the ejector seat. And it, you know, they used the robot as a projectile, which is great. But True. that came at the end, right? That was the <laughs> big buildup. That's something. right. Yeah, yeah. Shooting That's the, the dogs shot, yeah. didn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. For those and of you that trying to keep the tone of the game and trying to keep right. the that was a, uh... and I think it worked out. And I think I, I got a little harsh, but it was, uh, you know, I got thanked by some of the other players and he kind of came around and we got to play. Right. And I just, it was, it was one of those moments where it's like, okay, look, let's do the thing we came here to do. Let's play the game. Yeah. 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 And like you say in the tone that it was, uh, that, it, uh, that it was designed. Right. And, and that's the other thing that I was, that I wanted to, uh, to get to is after your interesting story, I wanted you to, to tell me what it's like um, to be running a game at a con where you don't have the same leeway uh, to interact with your audience because you are representing a company when you're when you're running the game. Um, I don't know. Um, I think I don't tend to run too much differently when I'm representing the company as to when I'm right. uh, just running by myself. I might, you know, maybe curse a little less, I guess. But uh, other than that, um, I think the big thing is if you're if you're running a game as a demo, as a right, if you're running for a company, you should be trying to teach the game. You should be, you know, mm. and I actually to this point, I now when I run Dresden Files at a convention and even maybe at home, I don't know yet, but um, at at a convention, I cannot stop my patter. I basically right. now have. I feel like I should put on a little straw hat and say, "Step right up, folks. Here's how mm. you play Fate." Here's how you play Dresden Files version of Fate, and I really cannot stop myself from doing that pattern because I have done it like 30, 40 times yeah. at this point. And yeah. uh, it was really funny. At last Gen Con, we had a bunch of. I was running it for a bunch of people who had actually played a home game for about a year, and I just couldn't stop myself even there because they even knew the game. But right, right, yeah, that's. Uh, uh... So I think that that's definitely part of the. You're tr you're there to teach the game and explain how it is and. Like this is okay. This is how you play the game. Right. Try to get people excited about it, and you know, let them know what it can do and what it what it does. Right. And have you ever made anybody stand on the balcony with a Darth Vader uh, impersonator before? Have he I ever was made an impersonator? <laughs> okay, kind of. It was actually Darth Vader. Well, he just played Darth Vader. 
He's an actor. He was an actor. All right. Wait a sec. Did you get David Prowse to to show up in the suit? No, it was the guy who played Darth Vader at um, Disneyland. I see. <laughs> I'm not Darth Cal. Vader, but I've played him. Ah, Jen back in the day. Yeah, yeah it's it's a, for a pro tip, um, telling a lady how you have made a little kid cry during your day job is really not something that um, I'm like, oh, yeah, come back to my room. That's really attractive. Like, the, no. <laughs> There's a top tip. <laughs> One of the things to not do um, if you're looking to uh, school. Was he in the Vader stuff at this point? I mean, that's... that's I wish. Of... I wish I had just been standing on the patio with Darth Vader. <laughs> For those that aren't sure what we're talking about here, Kristen in episode 30, no. Yeah, I'm a little lost. 40, episode, Chris, Kristen, uh, second time she appeared, I don't remember exactly the episode, uh, was, this was her, her con story, which was um, that she was kicked out of a game after, well, not kicked, you was killed? Oh, no, no, you escaped. Uh, no, I escaped. We were playing um, all, all Flesh Must Be Eaten, and I beat the game. And the dude's just like, okay, Bye. And I'm like, can I come back and save other people? And he's like, no. I'm like, I guess I'll go stand out on the patio and smoke for a while. <laughs> and I met the guy who played Darth Vader at Disneyland. Was, was cool. he friends with the guy running that game? Was that a setup? Uh, not that I know of. He was just somebody who came out for a smoke as well. The smokers mm. were uniting at the time. We were like this. Did, uh, did he use his Darth Vader voice? Uh, no. No. No, he was because uh, if I remember that might, just, have been, that might have worked better, but yeah. I mean I was there with my husband, but you right. know whatever. So I'm also picturing him with the with the mask, just smoking through the mask because that's oh yes, that would have been cool. You're right, you're right. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to ask either one of the two of you. So what do you think about the new Star Wars? While we're talking about Star Warsy type stuff, before I move on to my next question, sure. Yay, more Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. Cool. As long as it's better than. One, two, and three. I don't really care. Oh, well, it sounds like we've all uh, pretty, uh, pretty, not disinterested is not the right word, but do you think that they're really, they're, I mean, because they've got some pretty high powered people associated with it, right? Like they're obviously sure. not just going to milk the, because that's, your, that's your thing too, right, Morgan? What's up? That's your thing too, right? Like you're in television? Talk yeah, stuff. yeah. Or sort of working on it. Uh, <laughs> the. <laughs> I don't know. I'm uh, I, I'm waiting for it to happen. I uh, I'll be happy if it ha- if it does, and you know I'll I'll wait and see. Is I think the best attitude I can take towards. Wait, it. Wait, what do you do? What are you trying to wait and see? I'm lost. Apparently, we haven't talked on Apparently a person to person level. <laughs> He's not going to say. You're not going to say anything. Is it, is it scripts? Is it? Yeah, it's scripts. It's just writing. It's producing stuff like that. Because if yeah, you don't just... tell me, like, my mind is going to go to the worst place possible. Well, uh, I work along the valley. I'm, I'm producing free. You might not recognize my uh, face, but uh, <laughs> that's usually because I'm wearing a mask. Um, yeah, I mostly do lighting, though. It's really not, you know, for, for, the, for that sort of work. I just wear the mask just to make people comfortable. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I can't say anything here without getting myself in trouble. So, uh, yeah, that, that sounds good. Good job. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I do. <laughs> All right, so uh, who's your favorite villain, Morgan? Uh, who's my favorite villain? Um, my favorite villain, I think, in, in, yeah, this is one of those questions. Um, I was thinking about this, and, like, my favorite villain is, um, is the villain who is uh, – 
doesn't know he's a villain, right? Is is the, oh, doesn't know he's a villain. Nice. Well, not 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 doesn't know he's a villain, but you know, no one sees themselves as the villain of the piece, right? If you actually have mm. a villain who stands up and says, "Ha ha, I am the villain," mm, mm. and revels in "I do villainy," yes. right? everyone is the hero of their own story, and so right. right, that villain is just that's that's ridiculous. That's over the top. That's a crazy. That's a thing that doesn't make sense. Sure. Whereas and someone who I doing this for a reason. Yeah, I may be deplorable, but here's, you know, the, here's the things I've done and here's why I've done them. I've got reasons to that why I did it. Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, now I, cartoon villainy is fine in a, you know, in a sort of cartoon? crazy pulp way and things like that. But there's, in games, it, it works a little better, but in actual sort of fiction. So I think, um, I was thinking uh, The Operative from Serenity, the Serenity movie is actually one of the mm -hmm. better villains I've right. seen right. in terms of just, right, he, ha he had a reason for why he was doing it. He believed. He was, yes. Yeah, I'm trying to recall uh, who uh, you, you're. Um, you're showing that you're not one of my uh, listeners here, Morgan. I think that uh, I'm forget. Who, do you recall, Kristen, who whose favourite villain was the operative? Just trying to uh, recall. But that, but um, while I'm doing that, uh, that means well, sure, like, around. I mean, Vader, right, is the other classic. Right? And that's again. That's that was brought me brought that up because I wanted to know. Um, and Ryan Macklin uh, had a run at, at describing it, but. I want to know. Uh, I wanted to know what Darth Vader actually wants. Like, what would da make Darth Vader happy? Like, what is his motivation? What is Darth Vader's motivation? Well, mm. I think in the in the first movie, he doesn't really have much of one, other than I, I must crush the rebellion because that's what my job is, right? He's kind of now all there, job. Yeah. But I think um, once he finds out that Luke is his son and, you know, and he wants to have a son, he wants to have the family and he wants to, you know, let's rule the galaxy's father and son. Let's do this. Mm. I think that's what he wants. And, and so how, how does he discover that Luke is his son? I'm just trying uh, to... Well, I think they, they, it gets back to him that Skywalker was the guy who blew up the Death Star, right? That was kind of the PR thing. And they, they work it out and, you know, this force is strong in this one. I, I don't know. The force. Mm. It's the answer to everything, but whatever. <laughs> that's, that's right. Because I, 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 I had quite a long conversation. I forget who. I think it might even be with, with uh, Hamish um, Cameron, episode 25. And we were talking about, you know, what it is that, that Darth Vader actually wants. And it, it occurred to me that um, looking at him as a villain, um, I'm not sure... I was not quite sure what it is that made him villainous. And then Ryan Macklin, uh, episode 37, uh, was saying that um, if you use the dark side of the force, then you are bad. You know, that's the... That, yeah, that is the universe, I mean. Mm hmm Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so Darth Vader is... Do, do you find Darth Vader a compelling character? Because I was reading something today on the internet um, about Darth Vader being the... Uh, the number one villain, or the, or the most loved character, I should say, from the Star Wars uh, films. I, I could see that. Um, what makes him compelling as a villain? I mean, I think it's just the it's the whole it's the whole persona that he that he projects, and the, all the secrets that get discovered, the redemption arc that he goes through eventually. Mm -hmm. He's got you know he's actually a much more fill, filled out character than the rest of them, or a lot of the other ones in the yeah. in the, in the trilogy. But do you think yeah, that's only because been for the first what, three stuff? What's up? Do you think that's only because we have the benefit of the first three films now? Because although people don't generally like the first three films, it adds an extra layer to the th uh, four, five, and six. It makes me dislike Vader more as a character. Um, 
Imagine Kristen is a high strung dog and somebody makes a really a weird whistling sound or something in the background. <laughs> there's there's dogs the and kid and husband and everything going on. No, I was gonna say, like in the in the um, four, five, and six, like you you have Vader and you can accept that I have no idea what's going on outside, but it sounds impressive. Um, <laughs> you guys can't hear it, so I look really crazy right now, but that's all right. No, in 4, 5, and 6, like, you have Vader, and if you accept that he believes that what he's doing is the right thing and that his, um, like, that government is the correct government, then you can kind of go along with it and then see him realize the error of his ways and all that. And then you go back to 1, 2, and 3, and it ends with him killing children. Like, and you're like, I can't really love vader anymore like that's well, i mean he kills his pregnant wife it's or it's it ends up happening i don't know it's it, the, the whole adding that as his arc right i mean if it just starts out he's this dude in a suit he's chasing down these uh these uh these rebels and then you find out okay he's the father and then you find out okay and he has to deal you know his son and the whole redemption arc of the third second and third movies i think if you just take that which is what we had for a very long time i mean we sort of knew okay yeah vader so we had a backstory and he oh so mm. what the hell was ben talking about and all that stuff like i mean i if you think about the sort of the stories we made up to sort of fill in the blanks before the prequels came along mm. i think he's still you know quite a compelling character in the just the the original trilogy right so if you just take it at that face value Actually, I've been—I uh, was having a discussion with a friend about uh, the old West End games, Star Wars role-playing right. game, yes. uh, which is kind of fascinating because it was done in '87, right? So it's right. only a couple of years after Jedi, and yes. there is no—there's like a couple of books and maybe the Marvel comic book series, and it's really a wide-open universe, and they're just like, yeah. What were the Clone Wars like, and all the like all the background stuff in the book is right. all very. Right fill in the blanks right they kind of ended up creating the extended universe by or the expanded universe by sort of they made up canon and then those canons got borrowed for the uh for the book series that came later but it was just like right this wide open space yeah how did that uh, I, I didn't read any of the books um i remember reading splinters of the mind's eye yeah um which yeah, that, is that was like one of the few things that have been out yeah, that's Alan Dean Foster, right? Like he's yeah. the guy that wrote Spellsinger and so forth. Um, and I don't remember anything about it at all. Um, uh, do you? Did you read that either of you two? Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I did. Yeah. Can you re uh, refresh my memory about when that happens in the in relation to everything else? Because obviously I it's got think Darth that Vader. That happens in between. That definitely happens in between um, the first one and the. It's between New Hope and Empire. Right. Right, and what's this? What's this? Do you recall the background? I'm sort of building up to um, thinking more about the fiction here and how that's going to affect uh, seven, eight, and nine. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I think they're they go to a they go to a strange planet. It's Luke and Leia mostly. They're just kind mm. of hanging out, and it's 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 back in that sort of early heady days before we, you know, Discovered, before their brother yeah. and sister. Yeah, so it's okay. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, I remember uh, now. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Will they? Won't they? Right. You know. Oh, he, she just sees me as a farm boy stuff, which is always, yes. an, again, a kind of a strange little artifact of the, yeah, yeah. Of the old stuff. Yeah. Cause, uh, and they I, go to this planet, and there's these, uh, there's these aliens. The Imperials, I think, have taken it over. Uh, there's a crystal. There's the 
the Kyber crystal, I think it's called, was mm. called, and that's the sort of splinter of the mind's eye. It's a force enhancing crystal. Right. I think that's the, that's about as much as I remember. Darth Vader eventually shows up. Yes. Yeah. As Darth Vader always does. Um, and, and so that was between those two. Now I don't recall um, anything between uh, Jedi and um, the Empire Strikes Back. Was was there any was the comic books coming there or? Uh, eventually they, they did yeah. Because there was a there's a magazine in New Zealand called uh, the Woman's Weekly and there's also the Australian Woman's Weekly and I guess because Star Wars was so big they wanted children to hassle their parents to get hold of these magazines um, because it was like a two like as one it was really weird like a, a one page strip of Star Wars in the back of a woman's magazine like Woman's Day or you know People magazine it's like. Uh, that's, anyway, so I, cu- I cut those all out and collected them. I don't know what happened to them uh, subsequently, but I read all those and it sort of was telling more stories in between. But I was, uh, when you mentioned West End Games, um, I think I don't, I never owned it, but I, I think I, I read it. Um, at least I read part of it as much as any sort of, you know, 17 or 18 year old uh, might absorb that information without just wanting to play the game. But um, the books that came subsequently, um, I, I didn't read any of those, but. There were how many? There were lots, right? Uh, you mean the the novel series? Or the, That's right. Yeah, yeah. The, no, no, the, novel, the novel series are yeah, like hundreds of books at this point, I think, mm. or at least a hundred or more. Yeah, and how was that overseen? And also, um, because you know far more about this than I do, I'm wondering if in those books, uh, the story of what happens in seven, eight, nine actually exists, you know, like in, in sort of diluted uh, I form. think that, I think the official line from Lucasfilm is basically, you know, the levels of canon, what's what's considered mm. canon is uh, basically the movies first, yes. right? The movies are canon first. Um, yep. And then it's sort of a, it steps down in tiers of what is, what is actually considered canon. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and it's basically if something gets uh, counteract or countermanded in the, you know, you wrote all these books and there's this entire reloved book series about this thing, yes. and then we say it's a different thing in the movie. It's a different thing, right? That yeah. was, is is the way it goes. So, uh, but the interesting thing about the Weston Games, um, so they'd published a bunch of stuff, and then they were starting up the uh, the Timothy Zahn books, which was um, which were coming out. They right. they uh, got a. You know, he was starting to research and getting prepared to write this thing, and then they sent him over a bunch of West End games, role-playing games books, and he was like, oh, and here's okay. all this backstory that I can use. Right. He's kind of like, okay, I guess I should take a look at this, and decided something, something was good and put it in there. So it was kind of that weird, right, the, the role-playing game was uh, creating the fiction or creating this sort of universe whole cloth, and then somebody else came along and then built upon it and... Right. Build it up, build it up, and then eventually gets back. Like I think, uh, like the Twi'leks, right? The 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 headtail folk. Right. Star Wars. The Twi'lek right. name is officially. It was a West End game uh, name. They came up with it for their book in '87, and then eventually filtered back to George Lucas using it in the actual like commentary. Right. Stuff. So right. It's a very strange thing in that way. So I think you know the collaboration of what's going to come from star Wars in the future. You know, that's what it is. It's always been a crazy pastiche of a bunch of stuff. Mm. Yeah, for sure. It fulfills awesome. that vision. Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, you, I'm we're leaving Kristen out of the conversation here. You're looking, you're, look, you're, I'm just, I'm feeling really young. I don't think that I even watched <laughs> star Wars until 
the 2000s maybe like we picked it up at costco the digitally remastered like three pack right that that was the beginning and if it hadn't been for the other three movies the end yeah star wars experience because what you did because phantom menace was out in 98 90 something like that yeah so you actually watched the you didn't watch the new one first no, I watch I like I watched the three originals before I even Did you uh, specifically avoid the Phantom Menace or was it just not even on your radar? Probably wasn't even on my radar. Mm. I just like that it just wasn't part of my world. I was always um horror and really dark macabre kind of stuff and never like sci fi is kind of a new thing for me. Mm. It was just it was never there. It was never in my interests. Hmm. That night I was wonder, a jock, so. There you go. That's because I I read it. Uh, watched uh, this is the last little bit I'm going to say about uh, about Star Wars, and I'll I'll throw that open to you guys, and then see what your thoughts are. But I was I was reading an article again. I think this one actually been in a newspaper rather than on the internet. But George Lucas was talking about um, how the original Star Wars people don't think the new Star Wars is as good, and then the people that looked at the who had uh, phantom menace in the cinema originally don't think that the second three are as good and uh, then the people who see the clone wars and the clone war cartoons don't think that the other six are are any good and, and i was hoping Kristen, that you'd be I able to tell us shenanigans true. yeah the four five and six are fantastic movies they are just they're they're great like i'm not i'm not a huge star wars fanboy at yeah. all but love four five and six one, two, and three are obnoxious. You have Jar Jar Banks. You, you have, have Annie, who's kind of, pardon the language, but a whiny little bitch. Mm. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's like not, father, like son, right? It's yeah. not moving. It's not compelling. Well, yeah, that is kind of the problem with Luke. It upsets Sean when I say that because oh, he was only whiny in the first part of the first movie. I'm like, right. yeah, but that's your first impression. That's of, right. Only one chance of don't you? Yeah. So I don't. It just there was so much computer animation and so mm. little like I I the story didn't catch me, it didn't move me. There's there's nothing like I am your father. Like you can't top mm. that. Mm. It is That's and true. my poor child, it's gonna be so ruined for him because we do that all the time. Like, oh <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> well don't do it for you know, when he starts actually remembering stuff, don't don't do it anymore and then wait. <laughs> it's right. I, yeah. I'm so not like a hardcore nerd about this though. Like that thought doesn't bug me. Yeah. Like I knew that Darth Vader was Luke's father before I watched the movies because everybody knows that it's it's mm. common knowledge. But Sean is adamant that he can't know yeah. until they yeah. watch the movies. Yeah, I think he'd be pretty safe. I don't know if that would necessarily get out. I mean, he might hear sort of veiled references to it, but maybe he doesn't make the connection. Well, it's when they hear it on the street. That's right, yeah. So he'll learn about it in school. He'll learn about sex and that Luke Skywalker is the son of Darth Vader. Right. <laughs> Perhaps not at the same time, <laughs> unless they'll be watching one of Morgan's films there where he's got right, a Darth right. Vader helmet yeah. on. I think MC Frontal <laughs> has a song kind of about that, but I'll leave that for you guys to discover on your own. I, I will. All right, so uh, I'll get another couple of, uh, of Inside the Role Play Studio questions to, to uh, whet people's appetite, Morgan, before uh, we sign off for the day. So sure. if you could role play with uh, four people, living or dead, who would it be? Oh, jeez, this damn question, which I couldn't really figure out. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I really... 
I think I would sort of make a super group of friends that I know across the country and sort of make that happen. I think would be the would be the way to do it. So I don't know. So no, exactly you wouldn't want any uh, any uh, actors or or people from history. I don't know about any actors or people from history. I, I think. Uh, you know, I, I think I'd, I'd much prefer to go with known quantities, I guess. Um, you know, I'd prefer to have people that I know are good and are, can bring a great game. I think that's, that's a more important thing to me if I'm going to, you know, if this is one game. But I guess, I don't know. It's boring, I guess. But <laughs> No, no, that, that, that's absolutely fine. I think that sets us up nicely for, uh, for next time. Okay, well, yeah, I, I think... Were, uh, so you were also saying about, um, sorry. Go ahead. We'll, so, we'll anyway, what's the the cons? Uh, so, fake con is happening. There's a few other ones yes. That, are, yes. that are happening as well. Yep. Um, yeah, the, the, all the cons—they're all over the place. Um, You've got them in yeah, front of you. Yeah, mini con is happening. If you're in the LA area, uh, mm-hmm. check out uh, Nerd SoCal Facebook, and we we do a game day every month and try to get we're trying to make that happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell us more about that. What's tell us about that group where you meet and uh, and how you sort of got started with that. Uh, that was basically just a, we used to do these like three or four years ago and people were like, Oh, that would be great to do again. And so we decided to let's do it again. And, uh, so we've actually now, this will be our, I think our fourth or fifth, uh, fifth game day in March. Uh, it'll right. be on the 24th and it's up at, uh, up at, uh, Pas- game empire in Pasadena. Okay. So we're it. So. There you go. And what's the name of the webpage for that or the Twitter feed? Uh, it's Facebook. It's uh, Nerd SoCal uh, Facebook page or Facebook group. There you go. And is there anything else you want to tell us about there before we sign off? I think that's it for the moment. Yeah. All right. Well, I'd love to uh, get you back on again sometime. We get you put put you through your paces for the rest of the uh, yeah. the rest of the inside the role play studio questions. Um, but uh, anything, Kristen, you want to tell us for to watch out for? When's the next episode uh, drop? As they say in the industry. Uh, well, I should have the audio from episode um, 13 of Talking Shit with Dave and Earl, which is so far one of my favorites. It's it's an absolutely beautiful episode. Uh, none of my content is safe for work or children or um, particularly sensitive people. Um, okay. But you can find any of the audio for Talking Shit with Dave and Earl. It's at daveandearl.libson.com. And I do everything this way on air broadcast and that's youtube.com slash g-o-v-n-e-h so the next video broadcast will probably be thursday i'm going to have a local magician and my husband on and then the audio from the last two shows should be up this week excellent okay well until i catch up with you guys again um and until uh you hear from uh, penny red again keep talking the walk